0: Good evening, witches and wizards, and any muggles who might be listening. I am Daedalus Diggle III, and I have the utmost pleasure to be with you, recording in a private studio on the grounds of Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Here, within the enchanted walls of Hogwarts, I'll be taking you through a deep dive into the pages of what muggles refer to as the Harry Potter books a set of biographies written from the perspective of Mr Harry Potter and published without ministry authorization to the Muggle world, most notably the largest infraction of the international statute of secrecy we've ever seen. With each and every episode, we'll delve into a chapter, relive its moments, and most excitedly, we sit down with the very persons who lived through the events – We'll give them a voice, a chance to provide their own perspectives, their untold tales, their memories. Just imagine, tales of bravery, mischief, love, and sometimes the occasional blunder right from the source. Tonight, we embark on our very first journey, Chapter 1, The Boy Who Lived. The chapter that started it all. We hear of a scar, a mysterious delivery, and the stirrings of a world about to be changed forever. But what really happened on Privet Drive? How was it that Rubius Hagrid had possession of young Harry? How did Dumbledore come to decide that Dursleys was Harry's best option? In this inaugural episode, we'll be joined by none other than Professors Minerva McGonagall, Albus Dumbledore and Rubius Hagrid. What was it like for them, waiting in the shadows, walking the streets in a world completely unaware of what lay ahead? Stay with us as secrets unfold and tales unravel. This, dear listeners, is Pensive and Portraits. So here we are on Chapter 1, The Boy Who Lived. It all begins on Privet Drive, a perfectly normal street, wouldn't you say? Except on this particular day things were a touch off. Vernon Dursley, an utterly mundane man, sets off for work, and yet the world around him seemed anything but. Cats reading maps, owls in broad daylight, cloaked individuals on every corner whispering about someone named Harry Potter. And ah, the whispers everyone's talking about the Potters. Poor Vernon, desperately trying to shake off this strange unease, overhearing conversations about those people. It couldn't possibly be. I must admit I've always found that part rather amusing. And there, on the doorstep of number four, Privet Drive, Harry Potter is left with just a letter. A child with a heavy destiny, left in the world of muggles, under the watchful eye of the stars. It's quite the beginning, isn't it? To think, All of this sets the stage for a story that will captivate the world. And while we know of the grand events, the intricacies, the thoughts and the emotions of those present on that fateful night are yet to be unveiled. So let's bring in our first guests, shall we? An extremely talented witch who needs no introduction, Hogwarts headmistress Minerva McGonagall and the gentle giant himself,
1: Rubeus Hagrid.
2: Thank you, Daedalus. It's quite intriguing to be revisiting these memories after all these years.
1: Aye, ah, it's a real pleasure. Quite the setup you have here. Thank you, Hagrid.
2: Now, Professor McGonagall, let's
0: start with you. That day, you were there watching the Dursley household. An entire day as a tabby cat sitting on a brick wall, observing. What brought you there, and why in that particular form?
2: Well, Dedalus, as you know, these were. Uh, were quite extraordinary circumstances. We had just suffered a great loss, yet there was a glimmer of hope in the boy. In Harry, we needed to ensure his safety, and I was tasked with observing the family, the Dursleys, before he was left in their care. And why choose the form of a cat, Professor? Ah, you see, cats are inconspicuous, especially in a, in a suburban setting. No one would bat an eye at a stray tabby observing a household. It gave me the the perfect vantage point to watch and assess without drawing any undue attention.
0: And during your observations, what were your impressions of the Dursleys?
2: Well, they were quite ordinary in every sense of the word, living their lives in predictable patterns with a firm sense of what's normal and a disdain for anything that, that deviates from that perfect picture. I had my reservations, I won't deny it, but Albus believed it was the... The best place for Harry, considering the blood protections in place. I didn't know it at the time, but looking back, it it makes more sense.
0: Uh, The blood protections you mentioned, Professor, it's a fascinating piece of magic, isn't it? Not everyone might be familiar with it. Could you perhaps explain a bit about how it works?
2: I can. It's quite an ancient and powerful form of magic. When Lily Potter sacrificed herself to save Harry from you-know-who, she invoked a very, very potent protective charm. Her love for Harry acted as a shield. By placing him with her sister, Petunia, we ensured that this protective charm remained active. As long as Harry called the Dursleys' house home, he was safe from any harm intended by those loyal to you-know-who.
0: That's truly remarkable, the strength of a mother's love transcending even death. But at the time, you didn't know about this
2: protection, did you? No, I didn't. Albus, in his wisdom, kept certain things close to his chest drove me mad, truthfully. But in hindsight, it makes the decision to leave Harry there even more, more understandable. It was about more than just hiding him. It was about ensuring his very survival. That was a lesson later learned for me.
0: It must have been challenging, though, leaving him there, knowing the kind of people the Dursleys were.
2: Don't even get me started. It was heart-wrenching, really. But we had to think of the greater good and of Harry's safety above all else. Knowing now about the blood protections... I found solace in our decision-making that night.
0: It's a testament to the sacrifices and decisions that had to be made for the greater good. Thank you, Professor, for sharing this insight with us. It's a chilling reminder of the lengths to which the forces of good had to go to protect the hope of the wizarding world. Now, Hagrid, the gentle giant with a heart as vast as the Forbidden Forest. You rode a flying motorbike across the skies of Britain that night, carrying none other than Harry Potter himself. Let's start with the basics. Where did you get that motorbike and what was going through your mind during that crucial journey?
1: Ah, the motorbike. Got it from young Sirius Black, he did. Gave it to me saying he won't be needing it anymore. I didn't think much of it at the time, given everything going on. And how was Harry during this journey? Must have been quite a night for a baby. Ah, the little tyke was asleep for most of the ride. Like there was nothing bad happening in the world, but holding Harry, knowing what he'd been through that night, what he'd lost, it just tore at the heartstrings. Every time the engine roared, every time we hit a wind gust, I really just wanted to get him safe.
0: On your way to Privet Drive, I've always wondered, did you take a direct route, or did you perhaps make a detour? to ensure safety.
1: Well, I didn't fly straight, if that's what you're getting at. Took a few twists and turns, flew over some forests, tried to keep away from prying eyes. Halfway through, I landed near this old abandoned cottage. Witches used to live there long ago. Felt like a safe spot for a bit. Gave Harry a bit of a feed, some dragon milk I'd packed. Little fella drank it right up. Even thought I heard a ghost in that cottage humming a lullaby. (laughs) Quite the moment it was.
0: And once you got to Privet Drive, you must have felt the weight of the world on your shoulders, handing over the boy who lived. Did you whisper anything to him? Perhaps a promise or a hope for his future? I'd imagine it was a very intimate moment.
1: I did Daedalus. Bent down, whispered in his tiny ear, you're going to do great things, Harry. Just know Hogwarts will be here to welcome you home. I don't know if he heard or understood, but I felt it was something he needed to hear.
0: A promise that, as we all know, held true through the years. One last question, Hagrid, and it's a personal one. When you were flying back to Hogwarts, the weight of the evening behind you, what were your thoughts? Uh, Did you imagine the young boy growing up coming to Hogwarts and the adventures he'd embark on?
1: Well, to tell you the truth, it was a mix of sadness and hope. Part of me was just in shock for James and Lily. But then I pictured the day when Harry would be sitting in the great hall, making friends, doing magic and carving out his place in our world. And that gave me hope, I think, for all of us.
0: And hope is what kept the wizarding world going during those dark times. Thank you, Hagrid, for sharing these untold tales. It adds another layer to a story we thought we knew so well. Now, I have to thank you, Professor McGonagall, for allowing us to spend some time with Professor Dumbledore's portrait. And I apologise, sir, for keeping you waiting. Ladies and gentlemen, the very pillar of the wizarding community, Mr Albus, Percival, Wolfric, Brian, Dumbledore. Professor, the tale of that night is one shrouded in mystery, pain and ultimately hope. Welcome to the podcast. Why, thank you, Dedalus. When Minerva told me about this activity... I was so excited to help contribute. To start, the demise of Lily and James Potter and the survival of their son at Godric's Hollow, how were you informed of these events?
3: A question many have pondered. It was Severus Snape who brought this news to me. His role in the events leading up to that night is complex. But when he learned of the danger to the Potters, his
0: immediate instinct was to warn me. Yes, well, Snape's involvement has always always been a matter of much debate. How did you perceive his intentions that night? Severus was a man of deep emotions and conflicted loyalties,
3: but his love for Lily Potter was unwavering. When he realized the implications of the information he had inadvertently shared with Voldemort, his remorse
0: was, I'd say, very genuine.
3: That night his primary concern was for Lily's safety and subsequently for her son's.
0: And given the urgency, your orchestration of Harry's retrieval and safety was masterful. How did you manage such coordination on short notice? Decades of navigating the intricacies of the wizarding world have taught me the
3: significance of preparedness, I'm afraid, and trusted allies. Hagrid's loyalty, Minerva's vigilance, and Sirius's motorbike
0: were pieces of a contingency I had hoped never to enact. With you-know-who's apparent downfall and no body to be found at Godric's Hollow, where did your suspicions lie regarding his fate?
3: I had long suspected that Voldemort, in his obsession with avoiding death, explored magics that that most of us dare not. While news of his defeat at the hands of a mere child was heartening, I harboured no, no illusions.
0: I believed a fragment of him persisted, biding its time, The decision to place Harry with the Dursleys, despite their nature, surely weighed heavily on you. It was a
3: decision of necessity,
0: not of preference. The protective charm
3: from Lily's selfless act, strengthened by his kinship with Petunia, provided a shield I deemed crucial for Harry's safety, yes.
0: Professor Dumbledore, your insights have once again illuminated corners of history that remained in shadow. We are forever grateful. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope to have you back, if you'll allow me.
3: Daedalus, our true nature is often revealed, not by our talents, but by the choices we make. That night's decisions had profound consequences for our world. Let's always be mindful of the paths we choose. And I would like nothing more to join you again. My frame has gotten quite dusty. It feels good to be off the wall. So, thank
0: you. As we close our very first episode of Pensive and Portraits, I'm reminded of the intricacies and interwoven destinies that make up our rich wizarding history. Today, through the memories of those who witnessed it firsthand, we've uncovered layers of a night that altered the course of the wizarding world, and we've only just begun. Our sincerest gratitude to Professors McGonagall and Dumbledore, and of course, Hagrid, for sharing their recollections and granting us a deeper understanding of that fateful evening on Privet Drive join us next time as we delve into the next chapter of The Boy Who Lived and hear the tales from those who lived it, loved it, and sometimes regretted it. I'm Daedalus Diggle III, and this has been Pensive and Portraits. Until our paths cross again in the corridors of memory, take care of yourselves
1: and each other.